It's Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. A heads up that the conversation you're about to hear may not be suitable for all listeners. The head of a state advisory board focused on quality of life for children, youth, and families has resigned following an investigation by NHPR that revealed multiple accusations of child abuse against him. At least six people accuse Michael Adamkowski of physical assault and sexual misconduct. All of them are former campers at a wilderness therapy program in Colebrook, where he worked in the 1990s and 2000s. Adamkowski also resigned from his position on the Haverhill Cooperative School Board following inquiries from NHPR. He did not respond to multiple requests for comment. Senior reporter Jason Moon with NHPR's document team is here with more details. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Rick. Jason, how did you learn about these allegations? These allegations are found within a set of lawsuits that have actually been sitting in public record for several months. Uh, So many people will remember that over the last few years, more than a thousand people have filed lawsuits against the state of New Hampshire over alleged child abuse at the state's juvenile jail, the Sununu Youth Services Center, or YDC. That's been in the news a lot. Uh, But hundreds of these plaintiffs, they also say they were abused by staff at privately run facilities, including the one Michael Adamkowski used to work at. The companies that ran those facilities, they're being sued alongside the state. And that's where the allegations against Adamkowski are found. Okay, so tell us about the place where Adamkowski worked. It was a a camp called Camp Itoani. It is now closed, but it was around for about 20 years. It opened in 1986 in the Colebrook area. It was owned by a company based in Florida called Eckerd Youth Alternatives. They're now known as Eckerd Connects. They ran several camps like this in other parts of the country as well. And basically, it was a a wilderness therapy camp. If a kid in New Hampshire was found delinquent, a judge might send them to this camp instead of YDC. And the idea was that they would learn life lessons by living out in the woods and chopping firewood, that kind of thing. The camp branded itself with appropriated Native American culture. The kids were divided into groups named after Native American tribes. Staff members were referred to as chiefs. So Michael Adamkowski was known as Chief Mike, and that's actually how he's referred to in all six of these civil complaints. Now, what did the six people accusing him of abuse say happened to them? Uh, Mostly physical abuse. Uh, Three of the plaintiffs say Adamkowski beat them while they were restrained. I talked to one of the anonymous plaintiffs. He's listed in court records as John Doe 750. He told me about a time Adamkowski was giving a speech to the campers when Adamkowski's dog started barking. And John Doe 750 says Adamkowski got so frustrated by the interruption that he started severely beating the dog in front of the kids. And I said to him, I'm like, man, what if someone beat on you like that? And uh, he's like, excuse me? And I didn't say anything. And he's like, no, you said something. What did you say? And all I said is, what if someone beat you like that? How would you like that? And uh, he comes up to me and chest bumps me. I forget what he says, but he's like trying to be intimidating. And I went to say something and he punched me in the lip. And I was so taken back that I was like, I didn't, I, I started crying. Honestly, I was like a tough kid and everything and like whatever. But I started crying. And because I didn't know what the hell just happened. I know I just got hit in the face and then I spit on the snow and then there's blood in the snow. There are also two claims of sexual misconduct against Adamkowski. One former camper says Adamkowski fondled his genitals over his clothes while he was restrained at least 10 times. 
Another listed in court records as John Doe 628 says Adamkowski groped his buttocks at least five times while he was doing chores at Adamkowski's house. And John Doe 628 told me he felt like Adamkowski was grooming him for more serious abuse. He's not stupid. He knew what he was doing. And yes, there is not a shadow of a doubt in my mind that he was, that's exactly what he was trying to do. And just to be totally clear, uh, Adam Kowski is not named as a defendant in these civil lawsuits. He's also not charged with any crimes. Now, we mentioned Adam Kowski did not respond to your request for comment. But what about officials with the state? Well, both the governor's office and the Department of Health and Human Services responded by saying that they were unaware of these allegations until we reached out to them. The governor's office then told us Adam Kowski had resigned his position on the DCYF advisory board and that they were working to appoint, quote, an appropriate replacement. Uh, So basically, state government is saying they were unaware of these allegations until NHPR contacted them, which I have to say, it frankly raises some questions about whether the state is actually reading these civil lawsuits. As I mentioned earlier, these documents have been public for months. One of them was filed in January. The state is named as a defendant in all six of these complaints that name Michael Adamkowski, and yet the state says they were not aware of the allegations against him until NHPR emailed them. Jason, tell, tell me about the role that, that Adamkowski resigned from on the advisory board for the, for the Department of Children, Youth, and Family Services. What does that board do? Basically, the board is there to advise DCYF, which is, of course, the state agency that investigates allegations of child abuse. They run the Youth Detention Center, among other things. The board has elected representatives and professionals in the child welfare space like Adam Kowski. Adam Kowski's uh, been on the board for 14 years or was on the board for 14 years. He was its chairperson until this week. Um, At meetings, you know, they're weighing in on policies uh, for DCYF about how to respond to child abuse and neglect in New Hampshire. They're getting updates on the effort to close the Sununu Youth Services Center and build a new youth detention facility. Ironically, also, according to meeting minutes, they were getting updates about the lawsuits filed against the state concerning alleged child abuse at YDC and related facilities, the same set of lawsuits that the allegations against Adam Kowski are found in. Now, what's been the reaction from Adam Kowski's fellow board members? Uh, They either did not respond or declined to comment. Uh, One board member, State Representative Deborah Simone, told me the story, quote, saddened her, but that she's withholding her personal opinion until the courts rule on the case. Um, But, you know, when I talked to John Doe, 750, the former camper who says Adam Kowski punched him after beating his dog, he actually did not know that Adam Kowski was chairperson of the DCYF advisory board until I told him during our interview. And here's how he reacted. I know that's like a pretty high up position for somebody like him to have. And I just got to say, that's scary. It's very scary. Jason Moon is a senior reporter and producer for NHPR's Document Team. Jason, thank you. Thanks, Rick. You can find the full story, by the way, at nhpr.org. And NHPR's Todd Bookman also contributed to that reporting. This is Morning Edition from NHPR. We are diving into this week's headlines here on the New Hampshire News Recap. Governor Chris Sununu endorsed former U.N. Ambassador and Governor of South Carolina Nikki Haley for president earlier this week. Joining me now with the latest on the New Hampshire primary is NHPR's senior political reporter, Josh Rogers. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, Rick. For months, Sununu has promised to support the candidate that he thinks is best equipped to beat former President Trump in the primary. Is Haley the one to beat him? 
Well, obviously, that's for voters to decide. Uh, Nikki Haley's been rising in the polls uh, in New Hampshire in particular for, for some time. She won the backing of the, the Koch-funded Americans for Prosperity Action uh, last week. That was a significant boost in terms of sort of ground resources. And now uh, the endorsement of Governor Sununu could be another. Um, you know, he did say he'd get deeply involved in the primary once he endorsed and now uh, is planned to campaign a lot by Nikki Haley's side. He spent time with her already. And um you know, I, I I went to a stop that she had in Atkinson yesterday, and there there um, there are lots of voters there who, thinking you know they don't want Trump to be renominated, and and those sorts of voters are checking her out. In some ways, she's the most traditional Republican running conservative, but uh, not really aiming to divide. Um, you know, more interventionist on for, on for, on the foreign policy front than some others in the field, and socially conservative. But you know, she says she's shooting for middle ground. On abortion, for instance, and she's, you know, a very disciplined and skilled campaigner. She can, you know, really hit her stump speech without a hitch, and you know, strike a tone that seems to appeal, or at a minimum, isn't going to alienate most primary voters. So, you know, she's got that the, all those things going for her, and you know, we'll see what Sununu's endorsement brings. So, kind of the centrist Republican, at least in this field. What are the other reasons that Sununu might have picked Haley? I mean, I think there's a generational argument. Uh, Haley is 51, Sununu is 49. They both uh, could really be, you know, are likely to be involved in national GOP politics for some time, regardless of how this election turns out, either as candidates or office holders. And, you know, Haley's also someone who, you know, in the relatively short period of time, she's been out of office and leaving the Trump administration as UN ambassador. She's managed to make a bunch of money serving on corporate boards and from speech making. You know, both of these things are plausible paths for for Chris Sununu once he gets out of office. So she's certainly not a bad friend to cultivate. But, you know, if you do take the governor at his word uh, that he wants the candidate best equipped to beat Trump, uh, there's certainly a, a strong case to be made that she may be it, um, particularly here in New Hampshire. Yeah. And as you said, Trump has a significant lead over all the other GOP candidates. So how much does Sununu's endorsement really benefit Haley? Well, we'll see. It could benefit her a lot, but it, it is definitely worth remembering that despite the governor's own success in winning elections here in New Hampshire, he's never lost one. Um, his record endorsing in Republican primaries is pretty bad. Um, you know, the candidates he backed in 2022 federal races, uh, Chuck Morris for U.S. Senate, George Hansel in the second congressional district, lost to more kind of Trump-affiliated um Rivals, and you know, he he also uh, couldn't get his pick uh, elected to be this leader of the state Republican Party. But you know, this could be a different situation uh, due to the nature of the election. And you know, the electorate, there are going to be lots of middle of the road voters, independents casting ballots in this Republican primary. Those are the sorts of voters that you know, are really a source of strength for Sununu. And you know, we also have Haley's political skill, which you know is of a higher order than, than the candidate Sununu has endorsed in the past. But in general, endorsements in New Hampshire don't tend to mean too much. Um, you know, Chris Sununu admits that, but unlike, uh, you know, unlike some endorsements he makes, which amount to a press release, there, this appears to be more than that. I mean, he's planning to spend the next yeah. you know weeks campaigning with her. Yeah. I want to look over at the Democratic side while we have, have a minute here, Josh. President Joe Biden will not be on the primary ballot here in New Hampshire, but Democrats have launched a write-in campaign to keep him in the race. What are local Democrats doing to try to make this a successful primary for Biden? Well, um, you know, some of this is expectation setting. Some of this is just simply the mechanics of instructing 
uh, plausible Biden supporters to understand that they were going to need to write him in and to get those people motivated. And so, you know, the the the, the ballot has now been issued. You know, absentee um, voters who qualify for that can start filling them out. And so. Um, you know, they're reaching out and telling people, like, make sure you write in Joe Biden. It's at the very bottom of the, of the Democratic primary ballot. And, you know, they, they you know, the question is, is like, you know, this this election isn't really going to count towards uh, towards delegates for the DNC. If the if you take the DNC yeah. at their word. But, you know, what's a good showing for Biden? How big a win does he need um, if for whatever reason he's I mean, which is unlikely that he doesn't win? You know, would that really hurt him? So some of this is expectation setting. And, you know, they just want as many as many Democrats as they can to write in Joe Biden, right. both for Biden's behalf. And, you know, some of them will tell you they want the New Hampshire primary itself to look good. So maybe in the future, the DNC might again yeah. um, sort of consecrate New Hampshire's role. As first, and just quickly, you know, this is potentially a lot of handwritten ballots. Need a lot; they need to be counted by poll workers, not machine, right? That well, that's something that state and local election officials are gearing up to execute. And um, you know, the the how many people are needed is a little murky at this point. But they're planning to make sure that you know the ballots can be counted, and you, there will be a result, uh, you know, within the range of a normal time to get a result on primary night. Josh Rogers is a senior political reporter here at NHPR. Thank you, Josh. You're welcome. You can find more of Josh's political reporting at NHPR. Org. And we're here next Friday with a fresh recap. I'm Rick Anley. This is NHPR.